Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato commercial appeal sports columnist i'm joined by jason munns our tiger basketball beat writer uh it's been a couple weeks since we joined you and uh it has been a very eventful couple weeks for the memphis basketball program uh and mostly not in great ways uh memphis is we're recording this on monday a couple days after memphis loses to smu 74 70 at fedex forum uh, and that was on the heels of a 40-point historically bad loss at Tulsa uh, last Wednesday. The Tigers have now lost four of their last six. They've fallen out of the AP Top 25 poll. Um, they are down to, I believe, 60 in Ken Palm. 61, I think, was what I saw this morning. 61. And the net rankings, they've actually gone up, All right. strangely enough. They're at 51. And it says the previous, they were 52, so. Well, all is not lost, apparently. I think Jerry Palm of CBS Sports came out with a NCAA tournament bracket today and still has Memphis in the field as a 10 seed. So if they can figure out how to right the ship, all is not lost, but certainly some troubling things have happened with this team over the last couple weeks. They seem to have lost their their confidence a little bit yeah i mean back to back 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 to back losses twice um back to back losses twice in the last what three weeks uh you had the the georgia law or three and a half weeks yeah georgian wichita and then and then tulsa tulsa and uh smu and smu where they where where memphis was up by as many as 12 points uh, with under 10 minutes to play um, against the Mustangs. And, and they, they, go si- they go the last six minutes, 6-0-1 without a point. SMU closes on a 15-0 run. Um, and what's th- th- I thought, I, I don't know if you felt this way, Jason, but I, I was almost more discouraged by the SMU loss than the Tulsa loss because – with the Tulsa loss, yes, they lost by 40, and it was the first time all year we saw them kind of quit in a game. But you could chalk that up to, you know, young team on the road, and it was just a, every team has that clunker, and this one just got a little out of hand. It was, you know, it was uh, it, uh, even maybe not a little out of hand. It was out of hand, and then they just let let go of the rope. And it was just a, you know, a bad performance not indicative of what this team is. The thing that was troubling about the SMU game is they played pretty well for 35 minutes. I mean, and a lot of things that hadn't been going well went well. Boogie Ellis had his best game in in like a month, month and a half. God, um, it, it's been 
It's been longer than that. Yeah. yeah. Like since the NC State game, essentially. Since Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he played well. They cut down on the turnovers. I mean, they finished with only 11, which is not that many for this team. Although, when you look at it, they had six of them in the last six minutes. When they needed to protect the ball, they were not able to. But they sh- they shot well from outside. They hit three-pointers. Um you know they scored more points in the first half, or they scored the same amount of points. No, more, more points yeah. in the first half than they did the entire Tulsa game. Um, and yeah. like you said, they were up. Then like like SMU made a run at the beginning of the second half, and Memphis answered back and pushed the lead back to double digits. And it just looked like when Boogie Ellis hit that fall away three pointer from like the logo to beat the shot clock, you just thought, okay, this is just their day. This is just the Tigers' day. This is the bounce back they needed. Everything's gonna not everything's fine, but like you feel better about what had happened at Tulsa, and then it just all came apart. And I don't know. It just like I said, they played well for thirty five minutes and still couldn't win the game against an SMU team that was pretty good, but they're not world beaters. And it was just a kind of a sign, I think, that like you know this team. I think they're. I think they're capable. I still think they're capable of beating anyone in the AAC. But to me, are they capable of stringing together a long series of wins? Which is kind of it feels. I mean, until I saw the bracket today, that's kind of what I felt like it's going to take for them to make the NCAA tournament. Like, yeah, they're fourteen and five, and probably to like to me, if you get if you get to double digit losses on the year, that's that's the eliminating point it feels like but maybe i'm wrong maybe the bubble is so soft this year that they can lose more games than i thought but it just doesn't seem like it did, did that performance the other night made it appear or other day made it appear like this is not necessarily a team capable they're capable of beating anyone but they're not capable of being consistent enough to win a lot of games in a row yeah based on what we've seen the last 3 weeks anybody who who thinks that you know you know what you're going to get out of this team on any given night is kidding themselves um because like because you're exactly right the tigers could beat anybody they they they've they have shown that they can play with just about anybody i mean we can't forget about what they did against nc state in that first half we can't forget about how how they looked you know how they uh, held how they held strong at Tennessee, how they looked against Cincinnati not that long ago. They played a pretty good. I know the offense wasn't great against Cincinnati, but it was a pretty complete performance all, all in all yeah. against when they beat Cincinnati at home. Right. So it's just it's just it it's it's concerning that now there have been you know a handful of um, examples of some pretty significant issues. I mean, the the game against Georgia, they sort of went it was quiet. Very similar to this. Yeah, they went quiet late, uh couldn't put them away, couldn't 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 uh get rid of them. Um you know, and then you had the Tulsa debacle, you had uh giving up a double digit lead in the second half at home of a conference game. Well, I mean, Well, it, and here's here's what I'd say. I'd say a few underlying issues in all this. One, I think you know Boogie Ellis emerged, reemerged, I guess in the in the SMU game, but their point guard play has not been good. No. Their guard play has not been good. Um, Alex Lomax over the last 
four or five games has not played well for the most part. It's like, yeah, it's like as soon as he got inserted in the starting lineup, he lost that little glimmer that 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 something special that x factor that he had coming off the bench and mm-hmm. i wonder if penny's decision to ride even though alex started the game against smu his decision to ride boogie ellis at the point wasn't necessarily kind of like a uh in response to the fact that like like i said lomax has not been the same player he's done good things but he's not been the same guy that he was before he gave him the yeah, starting. Job. He hasn't been the steady guy that they need. The clutch the, guy, the, the clutch the steady clutch guy that there, they need. Yeah. And so the guard play, whether it's you know Tyler Harris has been very streaky. Boogie obviously just had one game after a long slump. Damian Baugh is, I, I mean, like honestly, he's a walking. He, he's like he he makes highlight reel passes. For every highlight reel pass, there seems to be two turnovers. At least two, maybe even three or four. Um, <laughs> he's been, I mean, he's got he, he's got a turnover rate of 35%. So he turns it over 35%. He, he, possessions that end with him end in turnovers 35% of the time, which is not you good. You can't have that. That's not good. That's not good. And, but, but, but you need him. I mean, that's yeah. the other crazy part in all this is you need him. Because he plays good defense. Then, then the other issue is so like obviously against Tulsa, they really struggled against Tulsa's zone. Against SMU, SMU went zone late. They struggled against that zone. They turned over three straight times right in a row. Now they hadn't had issues against zone that much before that, but um, that's been a problem. Um, I think another thing that's really been a huge issue. There's like how many guys on this team at this point in the season, 19 games in have a defined role. Like Precious, Precious I guess. DJ, I guess, DJ is kind Jeffries. of the gunner. Um, and then Lester, well, I don't know. Sort of. Like, he's sort of the shooter. But, like, there's n- there's not defined roles on this team. And I wrote about this last week when I, when I did an examination of Penny's lineup combinations and how many lineups he's tried this year. Um, and it's a lot. It's, like, over 210 at this point. And... The problem has been, for the most part, Penny in games has found lineups that click, and but for whatever reason doesn't go back to them. Now, I don't think lineups were a huge issue against SMU. I I thought I thought he did a nice job in terms of moving, giving Boogie more more touches on the ball, like as more as the lead ball handler. He shortened the rotation, didn't play Isaiah Maurice and Jaden Hardaway, which I thought was a good move, and I thought Lance Thomas gave them some good minutes there um, in the SMU game. Um, But I also think, and this might be, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but I think think Penny in this last stretch of games here, this six-game stretch, has looked inexperienced just like his team is inexperienced. I think in a lot of these games he has been... um, I don't know if out coached is right. Just like he has not been, he has not had the right touch, yeah. if you will. Like I don't know what the what, how to phrase it, but it just seems like like you know. For instance, you go six minutes to close the SMU game without scoring, and in the second half, Precious Achua took two shots. One of both of which were off steals he created, right. including one where he stole the ball with like ten under ten seconds and shot the fadeaway three that came up short, like. 
and this is the second game in a row where, where he's, he's gone, gone long stretches without touching the ball. Really, well, he he scored eight points in the first what ten minutes at at uh, at Tulsa, and then he only scored two more points, and they were on free throws, and they didn't come. He scored until, the first eight points of the Tulsa game, yeah, and only came got two more points, two more points the rest of the way, and they were free throws with eleven minutes left in the game. He was essentially, and, and then he had thirteen points in the first half of this SMU game, and then only gets two shots, and again, none of which came through the flow of the offense. Now I and and Penny sort of. Exp- Explained that I mean they started double teaming him and whatever, but and like, he's looking for other teammates to get them involved. And that's I'm just telling you right now, as a coach, Precious Achua should needs be, to be should be getting shots. 15 to 20 shots a game. Yeah. I'm sorry, like there's no yeah. one on this team who you can say, well, if he get if Precious is getting a lot of shots, then you're taking away shots from this guy. No, it's like DJ and Precious should be taking. More shots than anyone each game. Yeah, and what can't happen, kind of going back a little bit, you were talking about the the, the changes that Penny ha- has sort of made in the last couple of games, shortening the rotation, um, uh, putting Boogie on the ball uh, a little bit more in the last game. What can't happen is he can't let the result dictate his next move. I mean, those are things that, Regardless of win or lose, you got to keep those things. You know what I mean? You didn't lose because you shortened the rotation. You didn't lose yeah. because you had Boogie at the point no. for 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 a large percentage of that game. So what what he can't let happen is he, there's there should be no knee jerk reaction on his part and say, oh, if we had had you know if we'd had Jaden or, or Isaiah giving us minutes in that game, we it would have been a different outcome. No, he's got to stay the course. I mean, that's well, the thing. He's got to push the right buttons, and, and yeah. he's starting it's, to a little bit, but he's still not hitting them all. And it's just going to be fast. I mean, they're 14-5 and five, um, with uh, games, 12, at, 12 games? Yeah, games at UCF and home against Connecticut this week. Um, both games that Ken Palm predicts they'll win, but Ken Palm also predicted they'd beat SMU at home. Um, Pretty sure they he predicted... They'd beat Tulsa. Yeah, and they just they they need to just I mean this UCF game feels really important just in the sense that they need to get they need, they need to get wins. they need to get well they need to get their mojo back. These guys have lost confidence. But I think winning will Yeah, no no no, I agree. But like, you know, even even when they beat South Florida and Cincinnati, like the South Florida game was like coming from behind, kind of desperation down the stretch. The Cincinnati game, the offense didn't quite click. Well, I mean, you look at that Cincinnati game, if not for that technical that uh, mm-hmm. John Brandon got hit with, that could have very easily been a different outcome. So, Yeah, and so it's just – and, you know, this thing just feels like it's teetering right now. And it can – you know, it could – you don't want it to spiral out of control. And if you don't have a successful week this week, that's what it's going to be. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> – you know, because the schedule gets harder. Like they have a four-game stretch here, where Ken Palm predicts them to win every game. Like they have, and it's three home games. Three like out they, of four they home play games. at UCF, and then they go UConn, Temple, South Florida at home. To me, this to get is, this season back on track, yeah. you you really don't want to lose any of those because after that, it gets harder. You go at Cincinnati, at UConn, then ECU at home, but then Houston at home. At SMU, at Tulane, Wichita State at home, Houston away. Like that closing stretch, those last seven games. They need to be are on not fire. easy. They need to be on fire. They going need to into get that last if stretch. they're going to fix things and write this shit. It's going to be right now. Yeah. 
it's going to be right in this this next this this week and next week. Yeah, that's no, when it's right. going to happen. This this is the pivotal. I mean, because of what's happened the last two or three weeks, now this two week span is the is the is the you know this is this is where it it could turn one way or the other. This is the fork in the road. Yeah, and so I mean, and, well, and it's it's funny because. And I wrote this in my column after the SMU game. Honestly, when you look at this from a macro perspective, like a wide lens view, moments like this happen with teams that rely on this many freshmen, generally speaking. Like you go through lulls like this. The problem is is the expectations for this group were set so high by us, but more importantly by Penny. I mean, he was the one who fanned the flames of all this. And even after, like, people, and people have responded, well, everything changed when James Wiseman left. Well, one, they kept winning when James Wiseman wasn't playing. And, and I do think there is something to be said about the psychological the effect. security blanket. When he left. But still, I, I vividly recall after they lost to Georgia, Penny Hardaway essentially crying bloody murder over the fact that they got moved from 9 to 21 in the AP rankings and how they should be a top 15, top 10 team. Like, you can say... You shouldn't have done that. You can say that the expectations should have changed after James left, but publicly that's not what Penny did. Well, he has since, though. He did. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you have to. I mean, you you cannot pull the wool over your eyes anymore at what you're seeing. Like, this is not a great team. Is it a team that can still make the NCAA tournament? Maybe. 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 I mean, I think they, you know, I, I'm not I'm not closing the door on that. There's no. still four there's still twelve games left and you know, and who chances, knows what can happen. Chances to atone there are still chances left, opportunities well, and, to atone for what they've done. And it's just such a soft bubble. Like yeah. there's just not that many good like that's a help. That's a big it, it there's big not help. that many good teams. I would say I would point to I believe it was UCF last year. So UCF last year went was a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, and they went twenty three and nine. Excuse me, twenty two and nine during the regular season, but that included a thirteen and five mark in conference play. Okay. So think about it in those terms, and that's why I think ten wins or ten losses might be the cutoff point for this team, just because. They're not going to finish thirteen and five in conference play if they have ten losses. They would finish um, ten and eight. Like I think eleven and seven in conference play puts you on the bubble, and I think anything better than that, I think you can. F- I think I think eleven and seven or like twelve and six, you're probably on the bubble and need to win in the conference tournament. And if you're better than that in conference, which again, I, they're already three and three, so mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Um, in conference, but that's where I think that's to me where my gut tells me the cutoff point's going to be in terms of what's the postseason destination of this this team. Yeah, I mean, going back a little bit to talk about the psychological impact of of losing James Wiseman. I mean, yeah, he was he was sent to the bench after the after the third game of the season, um, and you know everybody's like. Oh, they're undefeated without him. They're undefeated without him. They're undefeated without him, which I think I think psychologically having him there as a security blanket, knowing that he's coming back, helped. Um, and 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 so he leaves after the Tennessee game. Well, the, 
they go well, three and zero. Let's be honest; some things went their way, like Ole Miss. They they hold off Ole Miss's comeback and win by one point. NC State they hold off NC State's comeback and win. Uh, UAB they come from behind to win. Tennessee. Tennessee they win in the clutch. Like they won a bunch of close games. And then and then James Wiseman leaves. And now they're not winning those close. Like now they went from winning all the close games to now it seems like. I mean they they over the, of the close games they've had they lost to Georgia beat. South Florida and lost to SMU. They're five and four since James Wiseman officially withdrew. I mean, I, I don't think that should be. You know, I mean, I think that had a, a that that is a factor. Uh, him leaving and and the like you said the psychological impact. Well, I also think I think teams caught on to that what too. they were doing. Like I mean, like for instance, the end of that SMU game. Like we've talked about how great this defense is, and part of why it's great. Is because they they kind of they switch everything. They that 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 was part of why it was a great defense. Is that they, you know, they had defenders like Precious and DJ who can cover all the positions on the floor. Well, now you've seen the past couple games where teams have really taken advantage of the fact that they know Memphis is going to switch everything, and so you've seen a lot more frequently like Alex Lomax or Boogie Ellis or Tyler Harris getting getting stuck on a big guy and the big guy doesn't necessarily score but it forces your entire defense to collapse and help and that's how you end up with three open three-pointers and especially in the second half of that SMU game it felt like SMU knew exactly what Memphis was doing defensively and they and Memphis and and they took advantage of it and I don't know you know now Penny would say I think Penny said the rotations were a little off and and what have you but it just felt like more often than not the mismatches were working in SMU's favor whereas in the previously Memphis had been able to you know those the, the that switching concept on defense seemed to work in their favor more often and so um it's about you know Conference play is about adjustments and readjustments. And, and I think, like I said, I, I don't think it's an, I'm not intending it to be a knock on Penny. I think this is a learning experience just as much for him as it is for these players. Um, and just because he's like, I think it's a reminder that he's a second year college coach. Like he, I know he's got all this NBA experience and, you know, but it's different than coaching at East when, you know, in ninety percent of your games, you just have overwhelming talent compared to everyone else. What we've seen over this stretch is, yes, Memphis is probably more talented than pretty much everyone in the AC. But without James Wiseman, the talent discrepancy is not enough to overcome the youth. The youth yeah. necessarily, like yeah. you, and you need to play older than you are. And frankly, now that we're twenty games in, you'd hope. I, I would think they. I would think they would have been further along, especially in terms of defining what roles they have. Like that's, I think, is yeah. a big problem with this team. Like no one, know, like who, like, like I said, who on this team really has a defined role at this point? And it's it's really just like two guys, maybe. Yeah. And no, so, that's right. um, and I think it's effect. You know, I think it it's affected them in these close games. You know, you see these teams that are older and and kind of know who they are a little better and they're pulling out these wins. And so um and again, I it's not totally unexpected with this young of a team, but it's just not what the narrative was right. going into the season or even going into this month. 
Um, no, you're absolutely right. And so they got to they got to pick up the pieces here and you know, sometimes these moments become galvanizing and you can turn around the season. There's like I said, there's 12 games, there's a whole month and a half left really, 5 weeks left. Um there are chances here to turn it around. There are also chances where it could just, just really collapse. get bad. Yeah. Like and so um it will be interesting to see how this week goes. I think this is a crucial week to come out. I mean, the ne- like we said, the next two weeks to come out and get four wins just to get your and get your confidence back. Right. And figure out maybe maybe these four games can help you figure out who you are yeah. as a team right now. Not who you want to be, but who you are. I think that's another problem that they've run into. Like they keep thinking about who they were supposed to be or who they wanted to be when this season started instead of focusing on who they are right now. I think the lightning just struck. That's that's a that I think a column idea just mm-hmm. just popped into Mark's head right there. That's uh that you uh, that was that was surreal to witness that in yeah. in firsthand. Yeah, that was cool. Um but yeah, no, uh but you're right. This is the it's 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 a it's a big week. It's a big it's a big two weeks. And um, uh, what do you think? What do you think? You think they turn around? Yes. Yeah, I do. I think I think I think we're going to be dealing with and I hope you guys are bracing for it. I think we're going to be dealing with it's going to be they're not going to collapse. It's also not they're also not going to reel off 12 straight wins. No, it's going to be right in between. And we're going to be it's going to be very bubblicious as we enter Selection Sunday. I think I think. And I think they could end up on the right side of the bubble, but I think we're going to be going into the AAC tournament going, eh, we got to make sure they win it. They got to make sure they games. win a game or and and maybe two just yeah. to feel good going into Selection Sunday type of situation. I'm going to predict nine and three. I'll go ahead and go on record and say nine, nine and three. Nine and three. Nine okay. and three down the street. So you have them finishing twenty three and eight. Yep. I could see that. That's what I'm. That's twelve what I'm and six in league. I think they lose at Houston. Top four seed in the AAC tournament. Uh, at twelve and six, I would think that would be a top four seed. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Twelve and six. Stand- I don't have the standings in front of me right now, but I mean, I mean Tulsa and Houston. There's five teams ahead of them right now. Yeah, no, but twelve and six is a pretty good record. Like twelve and six, I'm pretty sure in any other year would get you a top four seed in the AAC tournament. Okay. Well, yeah, that notwithstanding, right now, um, no, I, I think, I think. At Houston is going to be tough. Yeah, right now, right now, Houston is Houston and Tulsa are both six and one. Wichita, SMU, Cincinnati are all five and two. So you're you're a game and a half behind those three, and two and a half behind Houston and Tulsa. But if you look at like previous years in this league, like last year, I guess twelve and six. Last year, twelve and six would have had you as the fifth seed, just like Memphis got in league. Tough. Um, and I guess the the reason I'd say that twelve and like getting that top four seed is important is in case you do need to win the whole tournament. Yeah, you don't need to be playing. You don't need to be playing that <laughs> that fourth game. Right, right, right. Um, twelve and six the year before though would have gotten you the three seed. Yeah. So yeah. If this year has proven anything in college basketball, it's that and it twelve is. and six the year before that would have gotten you a top four seed. Yeah. Um, if yeah, so, most year it looks it appears most years in this league that's good enough. Twelve and six is twelve good and six. Yeah. Well, not two of them. Fourteen, fifteen. It wouldn't. 
twelve and six will be right on that borderline of getting <laughs> right. a top four seed in the tournament. And like I was saying, if this year has proven anything, it's that it's a very very wacky time for for college basketball. And um, I mean, heck, you've got two teams that are six and one, and three that are five and two. Maybe they all start beating up on each other, and and you know, Tulane and Temple and East Carolina start having some stuff to say about it down the stretch. But um, I don't know. I, I just I. I feel like nine and three over these over this last twelve games is realistic. I don't know. If, I don't, that may not even be the right word, but um, that's well, what I, I mean. Think if we go happen. through it, let's say like you, so. In that nine and three scenario, you would have them going four and zero oh during the next two weeks, yep. correct? Yep. Do you have them winning both at Cincinnati and at UConn? Um, because to me, there's I don't see them winning both those games. They'll win one of two. I'm gonna say they. I'm gonna say. They lose those two games and the the game at Houston. Gotcha. But you have them winning at home against Wichita. I do. Away against SMU. I do. I, I and think, home against Houston. Okay. I think they're going to have revenge. Well, that would be good for them getting some wins over Houston and Wichita. Yeah, I think the they're going to have revenge on their mind against SMU and, and Wichita State. Um, See, I think so, yeah, I think Houston is a bad matchup for them because Houston's guards are great. And I and yeah. I think that that what's been exposed here lately is Memphis's guards are not that good. Yeah. Um. At least not right now. So it'll be uh it'll be fascinating to see how this all unfolds. It's it's been very unpredictable so far, and something tells me there's more twists and turns awaiting us over the last five weeks of this season. Um. Make sure you're checking out commercialpeel.com. Uh. Jason and I will have plenty of coverage this week and uh, moving forward. Until next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your week. Buckle up. The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at CommercialAppeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.